Throw some dirt on me. Throw some dirt. I'm ready. I'll tell you what. Man, I heard from one of my pastor buddies today, and boy, was it a blessing to hear from him and how he's doing and how God's working in his life. And he's got a guy that's getting ready to buy him one of those big gospel tents, and he's getting ready to do some, some work and traveling on the road, sharing the gospel underneath one of those tents. And man, it's exciting to see God working in his life and and the work that's going on up here at Golden Avenue Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. So uh, just uh, just kind of made just made me feel blessed this morning when he called me and told me what all he was going on in his life. So if you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 6. We're going to start right there in verse 1, but we'll get to that here in just a minute tonight. Uh, we've heard some great stories out of the Gospel of John already, stories about Jesus, and that's what we're going to hear tonight, some more stories about Jesus. Uh, we, uh, we have heard that he is the Word, and we have heard that he is the creator of everything, and that everything was created through him and by him. And we have heard about old Johnny B, and how he was the voice in the wilderness, and how he made straight the way of the Lord. And how he pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And we've seen Jesus call his first disciples. And we have heard him say, come and see and follow me. And the first miracle of the water into wine and Jesus cleansing out the temple. And we heard the words that he spoke to Nicodemus about a new birth. That you must be born again. And we have seen in John's gospel where Jesus met the woman at the well and offered her that living water. And went on to explain that the fields were white with a harvest and we needed to go out into those fields. And we heard that the Samaritan woman gave testimony of Jesus and many come to see him and were saved. And also how the nobleman, he come to Jesus seeking healing for his son. And we found out that Jesus doesn't have to be in the room to heal somebody. He can heal them from a distance. Amen? Amen. His power has a far reach, and he holds that power over life and death. And then we heard Trenton preach about the, the man at Bethesda and, and a man who was lame for over 38 years, and Jesus healed him. And we stopped for a brief look at the Sabbath and why Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, and we found him to be the Lord of the Sabbath and the creator of the Sabbath day rest. And we learn that Jesus, he is equal to God the Father. Jesus is the giver of life. He is the final judge over humanity. And we found that Jesus holds the destiny of every human in his hand. And Jesus will raise the dead one of these days because everything that Jesus does is the will of the Father. Amen. Last week we learned of the five witnesses who bore witness. Actually, the Bible only says there's four, and I throwed an extra one in there because I believe it needed to be there. They testified who Jesus was, and we heard it through Jesus' own words that John the Baptist bore witness of him, and that the signs and the wonders also bore witness of him, and the Holy Scriptures bore witness of who Jesus was. Moses bore witness to who Jesus is. And then we find that the Father, God the Father, bore witness and continues to bear witness to this day of who Jesus, his Son, is, and we have heard it from, like I said, from the very words from Jesus' mouth himself. It's been a good journey so far, hasn't it? It's an exciting journey if you like the Bible and you like to study the Bible. It's, it's a great thing to dig into, and John's one of my favorite books. And tonight it happens to be one of my favorite stories as well. We're going to go talk about the feeding the 5,000. It's one of the stories I heard when I was a kid growing up. And I enjoyed those stories. And I enjoyed listening to that story time and time again. 
And then I also like listen preachers preach about this story so I can get their take on the story, get their, get their knowledge of what they had studied and what they had learned. And, and it's also one of the only miracles that's recorded. It's the, actually the only miracle that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. You might not have known that tonight. So are you ready? Are you ready to dig into to what God might have to say? And this is what he's put on my heart tonight. So open your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 1, and we'll start reading. We'll go through verse 14. And after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, when a great multitude... Then a great multitude followed him because he saw the signs which they saw the signs which he performed on those. I'm so excited. I'm trying to, I'm reading out of place here. I got to slow down just a little bit. Then the great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing the great multitude coming toward him said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? That they may eat. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and I don't know why, every time you see Andrew, you see Simon Peter's brother, but it's always there, said unto him, There is a lad who, you, who has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in numbers of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and then when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled... That's an important word right there. They were filled. They didn't just have a little piece or just a small bite. They were filled. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over and those who had, by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the signs that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. We have all heard this story at least once in our lifetime, I'm sure. And we see that it is one of the great miracles that Jesus has done. Now, Jesus could, could take the, the two fishes and the five loaves of bread and feed 5,000 men. And it's the, it's the biggest men's breakfast that we've ever did see. But that's really not the case, is it? We have to kind of look back so far along that, that we've looked at this story and it said there must have been men and women and children there as well. And if you'll go over and read Matthew's account of it, you'll find out it says 5,000 men besides women and children. So I don't know how many people were there that day. Some say between ten and 20,000 people. But it's probably one of the biggest widespreading miracles that God ever done. And surely he fed all of them, not just the 5,000 men. So... It's more than just feeding the 5,000. Maybe we should say it's feeding the 5,000 and then some. But we've always called it feeding the 5,000, haven't we? But today we'll rename it. We'll call it feeding the 5,000 and then some. So many more uh, were fed that day. And not only physically fed, they were spiritually fed 
as well. And that's the important thing that we're going to see tonight. Uh, so who was in the crowd that day? When I looked at this, I thought, man, who was there seeing all this take place? Who were the people that were there? So I put myself in that crowd, and I looked around, and, and I started seeing the different people that was there. Obviously, it was Jesus. He was there. And the disciples, well, they were there. The crowd was made up of men, women, and children, and one little special boy with a basket of loaves and fish. And tonight, I want to talk about these people that were there in the crowd that day. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. Many people followed him because they saw the miracles that he did and healed the sick. So the crowds grew because of these miracles, and Jesus went up on a hill, and he sat down there with his followers. And now the people who were in the crowd had to be made up of all types of people, didn't they? There had to be from all types of backgrounds and all types of areas. They were in that area around that sea, so surely it was made up of Romans and and uh, Jews and Samaritans and maybe even some Gentiles were mixed in there. But who was really there? Who was there in the crowd that day? So I looked at the crowd and I seen these people there. There was those who really believed in Jesus. They not just believed the signs and the miracles that they did, but they were seeking him and they were seeking him for healing. And they seen him and they knew him as the savior and the healer. They themselves might have been ones that were healed by the power of Jesus himself and followed him because of God's power was present in their life. And it was introduced into their life. And they said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Or maybe they were one of the, the loved ones who, who's seen their loved one healed by the power of Jesus. And they said, there's something about this man and I must follow him. They knew the depths of their loved one's diseases and sicknesses, and they seen that miracle take place in their life, and they said, yes, this is the man for me to follow. These people believed because of a heart change and a physical change in their lives. And we see today these people among our midst in our own church. They have been radically changed by the power of Jesus, a miraculous healing, and they are sold out for Jesus, and they will follow him anywhere and everywhere that he goes. Nothing is going to keep them from following Jesus, not even a sea. They'll cross a sea to follow Jesus. And these are the good and the righteous people, and they follow. That's what they do. Then I continued to look around the crowd, and I seen some others that were there. I seen these kind of people there. They, they were there. They had seen the miracles, and they believed in the miracles, and they, they believed who Jesus said he was and they might even believed in god a little bit but they were really there to see the next great miracle they were there to see the next great thing they were they were there because they'd heard there might be another cool miracle happen so they they were gathered up just to watch and just to see they wanted to see the show they were there to see if if, if anything jesus said might tickle their ears a little bit and make them feel good maybe they were there in their selfishness thinking maybe Maybe Jesus will bless me or heal me. I deserve it just as much as the blind man does. And we have these same kind of peoples in our churches today. They come because of the music, the, this kind of music or that kind of music. They want to hear that. Or they, they heard that there was going to be some food, so they thought they would come down to the church and be a part of it. Maybe they just like the way the preacher preaches, so they come for that. 
Maybe they're just using God as a last resort because they've tried everything else. So I'll give this God a try and see if he can help me. Looking for that quick, easy fix, that real feel-good kind of thing. And the whole time, they're looking at the miracles and the signs and the preaching and the big building and the free food and missing the reason for being in the crowd altogether. They miss the fact that, that Jesus and him in a relationship is what's important. They were here to, that we are here to worship a God who cares. But all they really want is a social life and a show. Their hearts are far from the Lord and they're missing the Savior and his salvation. Remember, it was John who wrote in chapter 2 that many believed in his, in his, believed in him, in his name, and when they saw the signs, which he did, but Jesus did not commit them to his heart because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man. Well, that's a powerful statement right there, isn't it? Jesus doesn't need us to testify about man, does he? Why? Because Jesus knows our hearts. And he looks inside of our hearts and he sees our hearts today. And he does that today. He still looks inside of men's hearts. And if you're sitting in here, God's looking at your heart. You may fool the man or the woman around you, but you're not going to fool God. You're not going to trick him into thinking that your heart's right and in the right place. And as we continue to look around the crowd, we, we would also have seen that day the critics and the cynics, those who were there only to criticize what was done. They were there just as onlookers, trying to find something wrong and not something right. They may have seen Jesus as a threat, someone who was going to upset the balance that they had worked so hard to accomplish. They were always looking for Jesus to mess up and do something wrong so they could run off and tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees what Jesus had done against their traditions. Always looking for the worst and missing the greatness that was there right in front of them. And when Jesus didn't fit into their mold of what the coming Messiah should have been, there to do what they thought they should have done, they sought to destroy him. They wanted a Messiah that would lead a revolution against the powers that had enslaved them, the powers that, uh, uh, the powers that, that had made them go into exile to begin with. They wanted a Messiah to be a leader who would bring power back to the Israelite people where they could reign supreme over those who had put them in exile and in slavery. The kingdom that they wanted was an earthly kingdom. When Jesus said, I come as the Messiah, I would save you. And save them spiritually. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come to set up a kingdom on this earth. And that brings us to the last people that I seen in the crowd that day. Other than the disciples and that one little boy. The ones who really needed a savior. See, they were there seeking to find Jesus. They were, they were lost and they needed to be saved. They knew that they needed to be saved, and they were there. They were seeking him because they knew there, there was more, and they had, and they wanted a relationship with Jesus. They seen the, the power that Jesus had to restore their lives, both physically and spiritually, and they must have felt that spirit, that the spirit had called them there that day to not only see the signs, but to see the Savior as well. Maybe they had heard the Sermon on the Mount, and there a seed had been planted, 
and maybe somewhere else along the way they had heard another message that Jesus preached and it was watered and they'd come there to be harvested. Matthew 7:28 it talks about that. He said that they were there were those who were who were astonished by his teachings and they he had taught them as the the one having authority and not as the scribes. They were hungry and they wanted to see this Jesus do the miraculous things and and talk about these miraculous things and they wanted to be a part of it. They were there and they were ready to be fed. A whole lot of people that day in the crowd, they were seeking different things, but, but they weren't the only ones that were there, were they? We still have the disciples. They were there. Do you remember all of them? Do you remember all the disciples' names? I was thinking about this this morning. Do you remember their names? Can you say them? Can you say them? Peter, James, John. Who else was there? Andrew, Matthew, Philip, Bartholomew, Simon the, Simon the Zealot was there. Who else was there? There was a greater James and there was a lesser James, wasn't there? And there was Thaddeus. Who was that? You might know him in the Gospel of John as Nathaniel, but in the other Gospels, his name is... Oh, that's, I'm sorry. Thaddeus is, is the one that, that is known as Judas the greater. And, and then, it was, uh, then it was Bartholomew that's, that's known in John's Gospel as Nathaniel, right? And who else was there? Judas Iscariot. I believe that makes 12. James, the son of Alphaeus, is the, is the, is the lesser James. And, and the other James was James, the son of Zebedee, right? So we know that his disciples were there. They were all there because it says that, that they went up the mountain. Jesus went up the mountain. There he sat with his disciples. So he was there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he seen the great multitude coming towards him. And he said to Philip, one of his disciples, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now, here is where I think we just read past and we don't use our sanctified imaginations and kind of dig into the scriptures a little bit because I think there's something interesting here. We see Jesus testing Philip here, but I also think there was a little bit of lighter side going on, don't you? Because I can see Jesus sitting there just jabbing Philip in the ribs going, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? And then Philip being kind of serious, you know, he's sitting there thinking, hmm, well, I don't know. Now, we know from the reading Jesus already, he already knew what he was going to do. So he was kind of, he was kind of testing old Philip there. And he was kind of, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? How, how are we going to manage to get some bread to all these people? Hey, Philip, where are we going to get enough bread for everyone to eat? Now, I can see Philip just sitting there looking thinking out exactly what he said in the scripture just thinking man 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that that everyone can have a little what in, what in the world are we going to do we don't have enough money to buy bread and there ain't enough bread and 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 but 
Bethsaida, where then he was from Bethsaida, so he would have known where the local bakery was. He could have went down there and picked up some bread and brought it back. But no, he, he sits there and he thinks and he stops. He thinks there's no way possible to make this bread thing work. But he turns and he looks at Jesus, and I'm sure Jesus has got a big old smile on his face. I'm sure he's just smiling at Philip. And then Philip just kind of goes, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you smiling for? What are you smiling for? And he, and he realizes that, that he's getting really to see a big miracle happen. I think he realizes in that moment what's getting ready to happen next. Maybe he even smiles back at Jesus when Andrew comes walking up with a boy who has a basket with bread and fish in it. Philip's test is complete, and I think for sure he knows what's coming next. And then in comes that other disciple, Andrew. You see, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was a guy who believed in Jesus from the moment from the moment that he met Jesus, he believed in him. From the moment he laid eyes on Jesus, he knew him. John the Baptist had already pointed him out. You know, Andrew was one of John's disciples. And he was discipling him and, 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 and preaching this repentance by baptism. And he always was telling them, no, there's one coming. There's another one coming. And he is one that you're going to want to follow. He was, he was pointing to the Savior of the world. He was pointing to Jesus. And even, even when Andrew first met Jesus, they got to spend the whole day together, him and John. Andrew knew good things about Jesus. And if you remember, he was the one that went and got his brother, right? Yeah, if you go back and you read in, in John chapter 2 there, I think you'll find out that he went, or John chapter 1, he went and got his brother and brought him back, didn't he? He went and got him and brought him back to Jesus. And I believe that Andrew had some insight here. Jesus may have already impressed on Andrew's heart that the miracle was coming that day. And that when he heard Jesus ask Philip, now where are we going to get the bread to feed all these people? Well, Andrew's, Andrew's this one that's thinking, well, it's going to be a miracle because there ain't no way, other way, that this is going to happen. And he heard him say that to Philip. And I think he already knew the impossibility of the whole thing, barring a miracle. And Andrew believed it, that Jesus could do that miracle. And Andrew knew Jesus had miracle power in him. And he just, like that, he went off and found someone. And he brought the boy with the food and he brought him back to Jesus. And he knew that Jesus could use anything, no matter how small, to make something more. Because isn't that just what God has done all throughout the Old Testament? All throughout the Bible, he uses people like Andrew to go out and find others and bring them to Jesus. And he used Andrew that day to go out and bring that little boy to Jesus, just like Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus, knowing who Jesus was. He went out knowing that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, God will use us as a disciple to go out and bring others to Jesus as well if we allow him to use us. And that brings us to that little boy. That little boy who had very little. Not only was he the, the, the least one in the crowd, he was just a small boy in a big crowd. 
with a basket of food. Boy, I tell you what, if the crowd knew he had what he had in that basket, he probably never would have made it to Jesus, would he? But Jesus was there that day. Jesus was there that day, and Jesus was going to use this little boy. He was going to use those loaves and those fish in that basket, that little basket with some barley and some fish in it. Maybe it was his dinner for him and his family that day, and that's all they had. But God can take a little, and he can make a lot. And God knows what each of us has with us, right? And he knows our hearts, and he knows our abilities, and he wants us to use what we have. You notice in this account of the story, the little boy didn't refuse to come to Jesus, did he? He didn't, he didn't scream and say, and there's a man got a hold of me. No, he didn't say that. He wasn't kicking and screaming. He willingly come to Jesus. He wasn't drugged. He came with Andrew, and he brought it all with him, and he gave it to Jesus. It wasn't much, but it was enough wasn't much but it was enough god needs men and women who are willing to come to him with what they have god will take what you have no matter how small it is and he will multiply it and he will use it to do his work for his kingdom you have something god needs and he's waiting for you to bring it to him so he can do his mighty work through you. Amen? Don't miss that in this story. Just be like that little boy, willing to bring yourself to Jesus. Just be the fish and the loaves. Give your life to him and let him use it. Let your life be brought before Jesus so he can use it and multiply it. And last, and most importantly tonight, there was one more in the crowd. His name was Jesus. It says, after these things, Jesus, he went over to the Sea of Galilee, which was the Sea of Tiberias. And then there was a great multitude that followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain. And there he sat with his disciples. After these things went Jesus. What does that mean? What does that really mean? What was going on in Jesus' life at that moment? If you've read the gospel accounts in Matthew and Luke and Mark, you'll know what was going on. But Jesus, he was tired and he was and he was weary. He was tired from the crowds. He had been teaching them and he'd been healing them and and even though he was God, he was also man. But he was also weary as well. Weary because he just found out that his beloved cousin had been beheaded. John the Baptist had lost his life. And he wanted to withdraw. And he wanted to be, he wanted to go to a desolate place by himself. But he couldn't. And that, and that is portrayed in Matthew's gospel story of this account. Possibly to mourn good old Johnny B. And maybe to even pray to God for a little bit of comfort. Because after all, he was man. But the crowds, they kept following him. And this is where Jesus, the man, forgot that he was a man. And concentrated on being the God that he was. Because he looked and he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. 
And even though the disciples wanted to send them away so that they could go buy food for themselves, he said, no, let them stay. We'll feed them. You see, Jesus had many things on his mind when that compassion kicked in. He, he seen a crowd of people that were hungry and that were, they were physically hungry. He knew bread would be the thing that would meet their needs and sustain them. He knew there was coming where, where it was coming from and that there would be plenty of it. But what Jesus really did here is he looked past their physical hunger and seen that they were spiritually starving to death. And he had compassion on them. He looked at them and seen what they really needed. So he set the stage up for that next day. He was looking ahead to tomorrow's sermon where he would talk about the physical food and how they would eat their fill of it. But it would perish. It wouldn't be worth working for, he says. That food will perish. He says to work for food that would endure to eternal life. See, Jesus was getting ready to tell them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. We only need to look to Jesus because he will sustain us. He is our bread of life. But even further beyond that, Jesus looked. And he was tired. And he was weary. And he was beaten. And he was bruised. And Jesus forgot he was a man. And he turned his attention from the crowd. And he focused on the cross. Wanting nothing more than to do his father's will. He became the bread and he became the blood the wine poured out broken for all mankind for the crowd for you for me Jesus became the physical bread of life so that we could spiritually never hunger anymore tonight are you in the crowd and I'm sure that you are do you Know which one you are. Are you the faithful follower of Jesus? As Pigeon and Harold come to play our song of invitation tonight, are you that faithful follower of Jesus, willing to follow him anywhere? Are you, that, are you the, the cynic or the critic? Here because it's a social event for you, here for the food and the fun, because the worship is good or the preaching isn't too bad? Or maybe it's because you don't have anything better to do and thought you'd try God today. Or you only come because you need something from God. And that's the only time you think that you need to come. When you need or want something from God. Maybe you're here tonight because you're hungry and you're seeking God. And you need Him in your life. You need to be saved. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here tonight and you have the desire to be one of his disciples and you are, are filling your tank up so that you can go out into the world and bring others back to Jesus. Amen. That would be the, the desire that I would have for you tonight. Or maybe you just realize that you need to be that little boy and you need to bring what you have to Jesus so he can use it in a mighty powerful way. Because see, it doesn't matter how small of a thing that you have or possess because Jesus can take it and he can multiply it. He can make it the biggest thing that ever has happened. So which one are you tonight? 
Do you know? Because I can tell you, whichever one you are tonight, there's room at the cross for you. There's room for you to come. There's room for you to give your life to Christ tonight. There's room for you to come and kneel at the altars and ask God to be make you that little boy with the loaves and the fishes so that you can do mighty things for him. There's room here to leave the cynicism and the, and the criticism at the altar. There's room for you to come tonight and just pray for all those others who are in the crowd that need Jesus because you've already found him and you're already willing to follow. So tonight, which one are you? Who are you in the crowd tonight? Do you need to be saved? If you need to be saved, I'm here willing to share with you through the scriptures how you can give your life to Christ. And I hope that everyone here is saved because one of these days, Jesus is coming back and he's going to get his church and he's going to take them home. And it's going to happen when we least expect it. enough about hell, but hell's a real place. Hell's a real place. And there's a lot of people going there. And I, for one, don't want anyone in this room tonight to go to hell. I would hope that you would give your life to Christ. But Christians in the room tonight, I hope that you have given your life to Christ and you're willing to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Send me. Whatever it needs to be in my life, Lord, do it. Because often we have too many people just sit in the crowd that want to be here for, for, for a fun time and a good meal and a, and a laugh and it's a social activity. And that's what it is and that's all it is. But there's more to being a Christian. There's way more. And the blessings are so much more abundant when you're obeying and following Jesus. God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how effective it is in our lives when we look at it and we study it and we see all the possibilities that are there. Father, and we thank you for this little boy who was, who was willing to give up these, these fishes and these loaves. He was willing to give you everything that he had so that you could multiply it so that a lot of people Jesus was. Father, we ask that for the lives of our Christians. Make them the disciples that they need to be. Make them the little boys with the little to give a lot. Make them to be those Christians that follow you anywhere and everywhere, Father. We just pray those things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.